The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you're listening across the Big Blue View Radio network, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, this is our Friday morning show, and that means it's a game day for the New York Giants. They have a preseason game Friday night against the Detroit Lions, and and here to help me break down uh, what we saw in joint practices this week and what we might see tonight in the preseason game is Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation's Lions website, Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ed. I'm happy to to be celebrating some football today. (laughs) Yeah, football. Amazing. We made it. (laughs) We We made it. We made it to to almost real football. <laughs> I'll take it at this point. Ah, uh, yes. There there will be there will be players running around in pads, although they probably won't be most of the uh, most of the big time players, and, yeah. and and the result doesn't matter. So the the, the final score doesn't matter. Let's right. put it that way. Let's, so, let's just hope for a, a healthy a healthy Friday night for both teams. Yes, there you go. That would be uh, that would be a good thing. Let me uh, let me start with this. You had the the good fortune of seeing the two Giants Lions joint practices this week, which were in Allen Park at at Detroit's practice facility. Mm-hmm. Just uh, and I know you were focused on the Lions. I know you were focused on your team and and providing content for Pride of Detroit, but. If you can, you step back for a second and and just offer me, you know, any sort of perspective on what you saw from the Giants over those two days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, the the easy way to do that is like, okay, what did the Lions struggle at? The Giants were good at that, right? And and I think what the the Lions struggled with really both days was running the football and stopping the run. Um, I, I think the really the I, I like the Giants' offense. It's it's nuanced in some of the things they do. There's a lot of misdirection having that kind of mobile quarterback really with all three teams of your offense uh, really had the lines kind of on, on edge um, with all the misdirection and stuff. So they were running up the middle, they were running, uh, you know, to the outside, they were running reverses, they were, you know, keeping things fresh and and different. And that's, I think the lines needed something like that because they have a guy like Justin Fields in their division. Uh, but it was something that they saw a lot of success in both day one and day two. 
then on the other side, you know, the Lions are a team that, that has high expectations to run the ball, and we haven't really seen it much in training camp, but, you know, there's not live tackling. You never really know when you're going up against your own team. Is is, is your offense doing really good, or is your defense doing really good, or is it both, or is it neither? Um, but, yeah, I thought the Giants pretty much stymied most of the Lions' rushing attack all all practice um, on day one and day two, which is a disappointing thing on the Lions level because they, they have such a highly thought of offensive line. Granted that they were missing their starting center. They were missing their starting um, left guard as well for, for practices. Um, so, you know, the Giants probably had a personnel advantage there, but schematically, you know, they, they, they took it to the Lions, I would say, in the trenches when it came to specifically to, to run defense and run offense. That's good news from a, a Giants perspective because run defense was an issue for the Giants last year. They spent um, a good bit of, of money in the offseason trying to upgrade that run defense. Bobby Okereke at the mm-hmm. middle linebacker spot probably didn't see. I know Rakeem Nunez-Rochez didn't, uh, didn't practice during the two joint practices, but uh, Nunez-Rochez and Ashawn Robinson – backup defensive tackles brought in to help the run defense. So that's good news you from from that perspective. The and also from the offensive side, the one thing I've been saying about the Giants offense with with Darren Waller, with a couple of the new wide receivers that they have is that they almost have they almost seem to have a positionless receiving group. Where mm-hmm. they're just where you, you never know exactly where guys are going to line up. You never know from snap to snap where you're going to find Waller, where you're going to find Campbell, where you're going to find a lot of these guys. Did you, you know, did you notice that as as an issue for for the Lions defense at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think Darren Waller was maybe the best offensive player for the Giants uh, all weekend or all week, I should say. Um, definitely posed a, a, a lot of trouble for. For the Lions, and in fact, like the more I think about it, the more I think they're kind of built like Detroit in a lot of ways in terms of their skill position players. You you look at maybe just the wideouts of both teams, and you're not blown away. Like the Lions have Amon Ross St. Brown, you guys have Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell is a guy who's kind of, still kind of up and coming, I would say. Um, but it's really it's the collective group, right? It's Saquon Barkley, it's 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 Darren Waller, it's it's everyone collectively. And so, if you just focus on the wide receivers, you might not think the Giants or the Lions have that stellar of a group. But when you throw in the tight end, you know the Lions have Sam Laporta, and now they drafted Jameer Gibbs. It's 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 all of them working kind of together to to attack all levels of the field. And I think that's something that the Giants were starting to do, especially on day two. I think I'm, I'm sure Giants fans kind of heard the the momentum of practices. Day one seemed to be kind of favored in the Lions direction day two was favored in the Giants direction and I would say the passing game really kind of took off on day two for for the Giants and I think like you said it, it's kind of that array of pass catchers not necessarily just your wide receivers that that gave the line some trouble yeah and, and in the end it's it's practice it's nice that it's against another opponent Brian Dable said that you know no matter the results no matter who quote-unquote wins or loses the practice it's invaluable work against another right. team i don't know if the, the lions and dan campbell feel the same way no no question in, in, in fact you know dan was was so excited about these practices um particularly uh is it wink wink martindale right the, the yes. defensive court like he was so excited to face a defense that throws so many different looks than than what the line's own defense can can throw it at the at, at the line's offense so just kind of having a different defense, not necessarily one that's better or worse 
or, or, you know, has certain players here, certain players there. It's just different schematics to practice against. And, and again, I think that helped the Lions offense or the, the Lions defense as well, right? Because you have this mobile quarterback, this, this misdirection offense that, that has skill position players in the backfield at tight end, having all of that just diversifies what you're prepared for now going into the season. And so that was something Dan Campbell specifically pointed to before the Giants even came in the building. Like he was, he was chomping at the bit to just get different players, different schemes, different looks for his team, because that's what you need. Every week is going to be a new challenge in the NFL. No two teams are alike. So just getting someone diversified in there for, for really three, three practices, right? Like, right. You, you got, you got Tuesday, you got Wednesday, now you got Friday. Uh, the, the game. So um, it's, 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 it's invaluable, I would say, like you said, for, for the Lions as well. And, and I think we got through the, uh, the two days with no fisticuffs. Yeah. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there was some helmet shoving and, and things like that. Maybe a, a face mask grab or two, but no, no punches thrown from what I saw. And, and, you know, it, it got competitive and, and people got in each other's faces. And, and, you know, what, what I really liked about these joint practices compared to ones that I've seen in the past is that at the very end of each practice, it was one team versus one team, it, and and the, the offense and defense were watching. A lot of times you'll see the entire practice, the offense is on one field, the defense is on the other field. They never watch each other because they're, they're staying busy. But you could really kind of feel the competitive juices come into that last segment where the defense is watching the offense, the offense is watching the defense, and everyone is just kind of like rallying each other up. It felt kind of game-like um, in a way. Um, but yeah, I think both these coaches are, are, are smart enough to know that fighting, it really isn't, it's entertaining, and we post it on social media, and people get riled up about <laughs> it, but there's really no positive thing to it. Um, you're, you're wasting time. You're, you know, if you punch someone in the face mask, you might break a finger, right? Like, there's no, yeah. there's no gain in that. And so uh, I think the line's, and Giants both kind of expertly walked that line of keeping it competitive, keeping it aggressive, keeping it, you know, fun and, and energetic without crossing that line of, of, you know, hurting someone. Yeah, I remember there was a Giants practice, not a joint practice, but there was a Giants practice a couple of years ago where a fight broke out. And thank goodness he missed. But these guys had their helmets off and Dexter Lawrence took his helmet and swung it. Right. Oh yeah, one of the Giants' offensive linemen, and yeah. nothing good was ever going to come out of that if it connected. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, that's no one wants that. No, no. So, uh, last real question about the about the joint practices. Giants fans are always always concerned about the the offensive line, mm-hmm. and it was really unfortunate from a Giants perspective that Evan Neal, second yeah. year right tackle, was was unable to practice due to the concussion he suffered the other day. But just impressions of of how the Giants offensive line held up over the couple of days. I would say okay. The, the starters were okay. Um, once you got into the depth, I think the line's defensive line, which which is a lot deeper than it has been in years past, kind of dominated the play, particularly in, in, in pass rush. Um I would say on the uh, on the first team, though, really the only person that gave the Giants consistent offensive line problems was Aiden Hutchinson, who was mostly going up against your backup right tackle. Um, so I think that would probably be expected, um, considering he's usually coming off that side, although he, he does switch up every now and then. But Aiden Hutchinson had a really good two days of practice. I think he had two sacks on, on the on the first day, and, and there were a couple videos that the Lions posted of him winning a, a couple one-on-ones um, on, on Wednesday as well. So... Um, in general, I, th- I think probably more good than bad from the Giants' offensive line. Um, but, you know, 
when you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, it's it's hard not to focus on that and 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 maybe not see some of the other things going on. Um, and and like I said, like I think they were running the ball well, um, even with nice. the Lions ones out there too. So in terms of run blocking, I think I think that team is that that offensive line is doing a, a pretty darn good job. Good. Pass protection might be an issue though. Good. So let's talk a little bit about the the preseason game. Mm-hmm. We. I didn't see anything at all this week from Brian Dable in terms of how he was going to approach Friday night in terms of would starters play a little bit would you know would he keep all of the all of the frontline guys out and uh, the the reality of it is I know Dable well enough to know that I think even the the New York media that that was in that w- that was at joint practices were like He's not going to answer the question anyway. He's just <laughs> right. going to he's just going to tell us he hasn't thought about it and and I'll talk to the coaches on Thursday about it. You know, yeah. but but I don't expect to see Giants starters play much if at all. I I would think especially coming off a joint practice week that guys like right. Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, the frontline guys, they're just going to say they got their work in this week. Yep. They got their com- their competitive stuff in and that they won't play. How do you expect uh, Dan Campbell and, and the lions to handle, you know, who plays and who doesn't? I think, I think you nailed it. It's going to be very similar on the Lions side. Dan, Dan was asked on Wednesday and he, he basically said like, I have an idea, but I'm not completely sure yet. So I don't want to say anything, um, which to me, and, and he said, you know, the guys that you think are, aren't going to play are, are probably not going to play essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I would say most of your, your star players, I, I, I wouldn't say maybe everyone of the line starters is, is going to be off, off the field, but a, a large amount of them, you know, the important guys, I would probably the starting offensive line, your quarterback. Um, I would expect some, maybe all of the rookies to get some playing time. So Sam Laporta, um, Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Brian branch, the, the like of that, they'll, they'll get some good action. Um, but I would expect, I would say at least half of the starters to probably sit because this is a big year for the lines. And like you said, um, you know, joint practices, this is kind of the point of joint practices is you can control what your starters do. It can be a little bit safer than maybe a a, a preseason game. And uh, you get like real live action against an opponent team um, while, while all kind of holding the joystick, so to speak of of (laughs) what, what, you know, situations you can put everyone in. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's the great thing about joint practices for the team. Maybe not a great thing for for fans, uh, as I think some of the the little uh, what what little excitement you get out of a preseason game is is probably a little bit lowered by the proliferation of these joint practices that take away all those first team reps. But um, you know, it, it's it's safer for the team. It's it's probably better for their analysis of their first teamers and. Um, you know, and if you're if you're one of those fans that really gets into, you know, camp battles and things like that, then the preseason is still going to be kind of entertaining for you. Absolutely. You know, it's do you still find it a little bit weird with the three preseason games? I think that teams we used to know exactly what the rhythm of preseason <laughs> would be in terms yeah. of who would play and. You didn't have to ask. You knew that the third preseason game was the dress rehearsal and guys wouldn't play in the fourth one and all of that. I think that teams are still kind of figuring out how to do all of that with three preseason games and with two weeks between the last preseason game and the first regular season game, you kind of get the the same idea that 
that the teams are still sort of figuring out what the best way to do this is now? Oh, yeah, I, I totally get that sense. I don't think any team has a consensus dress rehearsal game, if, if that even exists anymore. Like, maybe that's just that's gone by the wayside of these, uh, you know, joint practices. Everyone's kind of doing the joint practices now. So maybe they're like, we don't need the dress rehearsal. We're getting three straight weeks of or two straight weeks. Lines have two joint practices. I'm not sure how much everyone else has, but maybe those two weeks of joint practices in Detroit is good enough for their starters that they don't need any of those guys to have playing time. Um, it, it, it's kind of, yeah, it, it's I don't know how long it's been. Was it year three or year four of only three preseason I think games? Th- I think it's three. Year three, yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. And 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 now this year, like the cutdowns have changed too. You you used to have to cut down to eighty and then seventy five or whatever it was, and now you're just going from ninety straight to fifty three. So maybe you want all of your reserves to play in that last three se- third preseason game, whereas maybe your starters would get a little bit of of, of playing time in that game. But um, yeah, I don't know if once it, you know if they're continually changing the rules about the amount of preseason games about the cutdowns, it's hard to kind of find that rhythm, find that what works best for you. So um, I don't know if we're going to kind of come to a conclusion here of what's best for everybody, or if we're going to kind of keep trying to figure it out, or maybe just every team is going to have their own idea of, of how the preseason is going to work. Yeah. You, you, I think that's how it's going to be. It's everybody's yeah. going to be a little bit different. I know the giants, the giants were going to have two sets of joint practices this year, but the second set of joint practices would have been against the New York Jets and the Giants play them in the preseason and in the regular season. So that one, they decided to let that one go for a year. So, Mm -hmm. so this, this set of joint practices was it for the Giants. So, but it, you know, but it was good work. And I think uh, I, it it sounded like both teams got, uh, got something out of it. No question. Yeah, I think I think you always get like you said, even if you're if you're getting beat up, if you're getting your butts kicked, it's it's a learning lesson. It's it's <laughs> it's it's the butt kicking maybe you need to like bounce back, which is kind of how I view how the first day and the second day played out. Like the Lions kind of took it to the Giants and the, and like that's a good lesson le- learning lesson from the Giants. Like you can't go into someone else's house and come with that sort of intensity. You got to pick it up. And so they did in day 2 and I think now the Lions probably learned the lesson like you can't sit on your laurels after beating a team up for, let's say, the first half of a football game. Like they're going to come back and and, and counterpunch you. And so, uh, yeah, learning lesson for both teams, not to mention good work and and, and varied looks um, from from the opponents, too. So, yeah, always, always beneficial, especially when when I, I believe both teams a, a avoided any sort of serious injury too during these joint practices. So win win for, for both teams. No question. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 
Twenty-nine.com. Let's talk a little bit about the 2023 Lions and, and expectations for this team. Obviously, it's it's been a minute for the Lions. <laughs> yeah. It's been a minute, but this is an organization. Dan Campbell's a guy. People loved him when he was a player for the Giants and and I always thought that maybe he was a dark horse candidate over the last few years when the Giants had coaching openings. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have this thing pointed in the right direction. Just uh, what's the expectation level uh, for the Lions this year? I mean, what would, what would quote-unquote satisfy the fan base? I, I think at, at the minimum, winning the division, which in and of itself sounds like a lofty goal for a team that hasn't won the division since 1993. Um, but given everything that's that's shaken the way it has in, in the NFC North, like they are the odds-on favorite. They are the team that is expected to win the division this year. And they finished 8-2 and two last year, a, a, an incredible stretch down the season. They, they take out a Packers team that had everything to play for when they had nothing to play for in the division. I mean, and you guys saw, you know, the Lions kind of took it to the Giants in, in New York last year, a, a good Giants team that was kind of on a roll at the time. So I, I think they, they're taking that confidence from last year and, and thinking like, we can play with the big boys. We, we beat a team that won a playoff game. We beat a Minnesota team um, pretty handily that, that also won the division and won 13, 14 games or whatever it was last year. And so, you know, no Aaron Rodgers. The, the Vikings lose a ton of players. The, the Bears are still on the on the up and up maybe a year or two behind where the Lions are. This is a division for the taking this year. And, um, you know, you, you can tell the excitement is building here in Detroit. They, they sold out season tickets for the first time in Ford Field history, which dates back to 2002. And so I think those people are, are getting those season tickets because they are expecting the first Detroit Lions home playoff game since 1993. Like they are, that's the expectation that, and you know, if you have a home playoff game, I guess the expectation is to kind of win that too. So it, it's a very high bar for this franchise that again, to throw out another ridiculous stat, they have won one playoff game in the history of the Super Bowl, going all the way back wow. to Super Bowl one. They've won a single playoff game. And the expectation now is to win a playoff, is to double that number. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a weird, exciting time to, to be a Lions fan. You're always optimistic if you're a Lions fan at this point in the season, but it, there, there are so many signs that this year is different. And so expectations are, are really high. I mean, once you're finally in a, in a division that no longer has a Hall of Fame quarterback in it in Green Bay, I think, I think there's at least a little bit of reason to, to, to be optimistic. There you go. And I have to remind Giants fans, you said that the Lions that the Lions have won one playoff game in the entire Super Bowl era. That's correct. And as as much as Giants fans complain sometimes <laughs> and as bad as things were from 2011 through before last year came along and the Giants made the playoffs and won a playoff game. I think Giants fans, I think there are a whole lot of fan bases <laughs> that would trade places with Giants fans with the accomplishments of a franchise that has four Super Bowl trophies in the building and got to a fifth one. So so it in could be instant. a lot yes, it could be a lot worse, <laughs> Giants fans. So uh, so just just keep that in mind. There's a lot of fan bases that have suffered a whole lot more than you have. Yeah. No question. <laughs> so uh, final final thing for you. 
uh, in terms of talking about the Lions, the Lions did something in the draft that sort of flew in the face yeah. of common perceptions of of modern thinking about the way that you conduct a draft and utilize positional value and, and, and all of that. They drafted a running back at 12 in Jameer Gibbs and an inside linebacker at 18, both of whom are good players. Yeah. But I, I thought, for example, that the Giants might have a shot at, at Jack Campbell at 57. But how is that working out? And I'm just curious how the Lions, you know, considering the way everybody thinks about positional value, how they explained it. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating because I I was team never draft a running back in the first round, and so when Bijan Robinson went off the board at eight or nine or whatever it was, I kind of I breathed a sigh of relief. I'm like, okay, cool. They they avoided the trap there. Uh, little did I know that Jameer Gibbs <laughs> was coming a couple picks later to Detroit. Um, and so, yeah, their their explanation, and, and you can choose to buy it or not, I, I understand it, I don't know if I fully buy it, is that Jameer Gibbs is not just a running back. They they rep him with the wide receivers quite quite often in training camp. They view him as an offensive weapon um, that, that is probably like on, on the level of an Alvin Kamara. I really, truly think that what the Lions are trying to build offensively is exactly what the Saints did in the early Alvin Kamara days, which is you have Alvin Kamara who's going to catch 80 passes a game and, and, you know, run the ball maybe a hundred times. And then you have your Mark Ingram type, which the Lions do in David Montgomery, and he's going to run the ball 200 times. And that works. It's, it's, a, that is a good offensive system that, that, that works that, that it, we've seen work in the past. And if, if the Lions got Alvin Kamara in, in Jameer Gibbs, then, then I don't think people are going to be complaining too much, um, you know, three or four years down the road. Um, that, that said, part of the reason why drafting a running back is a bad idea is that after those first four or five years on that rookie contract, there aren't a lot of examples of, of you know running backs being worth a second contract. And so maybe maybe you get all you can possibly get out of Jameer Gibbs and he lives up to all the expectations of a first round draft pick with it within that first four years, but maybe he's gone after that. And then you have you have the philosophical question, was a first round pick worth it for three, four, five years of, of excellent running back play and nothing else? Or could you have done something better, gotten a cornerback that, that's going to be your corner for the next 10, 15 years? Um, we'll, we'll have to see how the rest of the draft plays out. That I, that That's one that I've at least won myself over a little bit on that one. I'm like, okay, I, I get what they're trying to do there. If it works out, I'm, I'm probably not going to complain. Jack Campbell, though, that that one I'm, I'm having a little bit tougher time with because I don't think off-ball linebackers are exactly important positions in the NFL and I think the elite type are so rare in this league that maybe you ha you can count them on on one hand that that are really truly game-changing off-ball linebackers to me that's kind of an old man's way of looking at the NFL I think speed and 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 perimeter is is what wins in the NFL today and so having that kind of like run stuffing force who may struggle in coverage against some of the speedier guys like Darren Waller uh might not be as as of much use in the NFL as, as they once were. And it, it's the one thing that still occasionally has me questioning Dan Campbell is like, is he a little bit too much of an old head when it comes to strategy and guys that he loves? Um, is, is it kind of that old school hard knock mentality of, of, of football that, that might not jive with what, what the league is today. But at the same time, the league is always cyclical, right? Like if, if you keep getting faster on the outsides, well then you you'll get beat up up the middle. Right. And so, um, you know, it, th that's 
again, that's kind of how they explain it. They, they, they think Jack Campbell is a guy who's going to be a leader. They're Mike linebacker, the, the, the smart, physical, big and athletic linebacker that, that can be kind of your captain of your defense for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, my, my rebuttal to that is those kind of players are very rare in today's NFL. So it's going to show me it. Absolutely. We'll see how it works out for the Lions. I know the Giants have their own experience with drafting a running back really, really early that they're sure. that they're going through right now. And I think that at least when it comes to running back, I'm with you. I think I have always been don't draft that running back in the first round, I'll say, unless it's a real franchise changing kind of running back or the way that I look at it. Are you, do you feel like you're a really good team where that particular player completes what you need on that side of the ball? Yeah. So, but I, but it's a very, it's a very tricky situation to, to put yourself in. And we'll see how it works out for the Lions over the next couple of years. And uh, we'll see how tonight's game works out. As you said at the top, hopefully, hopefully. Biggest thing of all, hopefully there are no big injuries and uh, and we go from there. So, Jeremy, thank you very, very much for, for hopping on. Folks, if you want the, uh, the Lions perspective on the joint practices, on tonight's preseason game, on all of that, check out Pride of Detroit. So uh, with, with that said, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.